Good evening. Welcome to the planning board of the City of Chicopee public hearing Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, 7.10 p.m. in the City Hall Auditorium, third floor, City Hall Annex, 274 Front Street, Chicopee, Mass., 0113 and via video conference Zoom. If anyone is recording this meeting, you please need to step up and state your name and address at the podium. We'll start with anybody from the public. Go ahead. Are you media or? Okay. Kristen Rivers, Chickabee Register. Okay. Uh, Jonas Snowden, the Republican. Thank you. Anyone else from the media? Okay, anyone on Zoom? Okay. Call the roll when you're ready. All right. Cynthia Labrie? Here. Nathan Moreau? Here. Eric Willette? Here. Tom Renwitz? Here. Michael Sarinelli? Here. J. Paul. Here. Planning Department staff. Lee Pouliot. Jim Dawson. Here. Patrick Collins. Excused. Nick Kaiser. Excused. Kristen Pope. Here. Okay. Agenda item number one, petition zone change. Application date September 5th, 2023. Request residential A to residential C for 0.3501 acres of property for the purpose of constructing infill housing. Zoning residential A, location 15 Wowell Street, assessor map 286, parcel 28. Applicant JCD Realty, Inc., care of Jeffrey Daigle, 55 Fuller Road, Chicopee, Mass. 01020. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Christopher Carney. I'm here from Pioneer Land Planning on behalf of the applicant Jeffrey Daigle of JCD Realty Inc. And tonight we're here um, for a positive recommendation from the planning board for a zone change located at 15 Wobble Street. Uh, the purpose of the zone change is to allow for additional residential units uh, to utilize existing city infrastructure, thereby minimizing infrastructure expenses while increasing the tax base for the city of Chicopee. I think it's a good project for this neighborhood. Uh, the zone change would be from residential A to residential C. And as you can see from the graphic on screen, uh, the parcel abuts residential C. I'm here to answer any questions that the board may have about this proposed change. Okay, thank you. Anybody in the board have any questions? No. No. Okay. Anybody from the public have any questions? Okay. Check Zoom. Lee, do you have anything? Oh. Okay. If you could come up to the podium, please state your name and address for the record. We should do the three. Should always do the three minute for the whole thing. My name's John Radzik. I live in Chicopee, 29 Chalet Street. And I'm just wondering about the tree section that's in back of my house because I am but that house that they're talking about. You know, it's in the back. I live on one side and back, and then there's a bunch of trees and everything in the back. Now, is that going to be, they're going to be staying or are they going to take everything? One moment. If I can approach, I can show a map and. Sure. Show, show. Yes, go ahead, please. 
because the trees are falling on my yard and they're breaking my fence down. 29? 29, yeah. Okay, so that's you. There's actually a taper sheet between me and the parcel in question. Yeah, I thought they were going to build a road a long time ago. Yeah, so they're, they're going to there. Yeah, so that is still an existing taper street, so the zone change only applies to this area. Oh, okay. 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 All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Here, Paper Street, and the parts in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ma'am, does it matter what side they step up to? Yeah, over here, please, ma'am. Thank you. Well, we have three minute uh, min uh, maximum for each speaker. The timer's over here if you need to. I'm sorry, I go to very few of these. Um, I'm here mostly for informational purposes. I'm Barbara Kulig. I live. I have a home, uh, 298 Sheridan Street, which is directly across Lowell. I'm just curious. I could have looked this up rather than ask the board here. Um, and then I want to say something after that. Um, going from A to C means a multi-family, correct? Two or more or two or three. Is there currently on the books now, how much land is required for a three family? And I don't know what that is. Okay, one moment, we will answer that question. Sure, so under residential C, uh, the zoning code allows for uh, single family duplexes or multi-unit uh, structures. And you're correct, the, the number of units that is allowed on a residential C lot is dictated by the total area of the lot. Uh, so a single family home in residential C requires 7,500 square feet of area. A duplex or a two unit uh, requires 10,000 square feet of area. And then multifamily dwellings, so three and above, require a minimum of 30,000 square feet of area. So while the property potentially may go into the residential C district, it will be still limited on how dense it can be based on the total acreage available. I apologize for probably not hearing every word, but um, is what you just described to me, is that sufficient for the a three family? If a three family is built, is there enough space? I didn't get the numbers, I apologize. Is, or is the, the space going to be um, um, not large enough? And So the property is just over a third of an acre uh, which would support a maximum of three units. For how many? Three. Good. Okay. And I just want to say one other thing. My grandparents came to Chigabee in 1920, and the first home they lived in was, I believe, 15 Wallow Street. Um, I looked in the Chigabee directory, and um, it doesn't say the number, but at that time, I think that was the only house on Wallow Street. It was built in 1900. So that home, which um, unfortunately I think has had a fire and is not in great condition and needs to be made better, um, was the first home of my grandparents in Chigabee. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you did already. You're good. <laughs> and go ahead. Uh, Derek Dovis, uh, Chickabee City Council, Ward 6, uh, 70 Post Road. Uh, I'm not uh, necessarily, I'm not going to speak in favor or in opposition of this. Um, I'm actually kind of happy to see development here because as the lady uh, that just spoke mentioned that uh, there was a fire in this house. It's in very poor condition. And um, 
I actually was under the impression that this was a problem property. I have quite an extensive uh, email list that I guess I should have brought for the planning board. But my only request is that I hope the applicant um, cleans up uh, ordinance violations on this property and they have an, uh, an, a, an abutting property directly across the street. Uh, and uh, I hope they clean up the ordinance violations uh, if this were to uh, go through. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, I'm gonna close check public. before you check Zoom. Oh, forgot about Zoom, sorry, Zoom. Anybody in Zoom would like to speak? I think you're good. Okay, I'm gonna close the public portion of this hearing. Any other questions? No, we're gonna knock down the existing house and put in a new house on the property. Seems like a good fit to me. Yep. Yep. I'll take a motion then whenever you're ready. Make a motion to approve. Second. Okay, call the rule when you're ready. Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renowitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion passes. All right, so, so that is a, a five zero recommendation, which will be passed on to the city council uh, for their public hearing with their zoning subcommittee. Okay, item number two, I'm abstaining from because I'm directly involved with this project. So I'm handing the meeting over to Michael Sarinelli. Okay, item number two, zone change from residential A and business A to residential C for 28,827 square foot of property on 19 Beaumont Ave, assessor map 221, parcels 46, 47, 48, and 49 for the purpose of leaving existing three-family house on legal lot and potentially creating two single-family building lots. Applicant David Labrie, DCL Construction, 187 Nelson Street, Chickabee, Mass, 01013. I'm behind you. Hi, Dave Labrie, uh, 187 Nelson Street. Uh, give you a little background on the property. This property was owned by the Wallace family, still is by the children of the Wallace family. The father owned the property for many years, going all the way back to the early 60s. Um, the property was being used as a four family for probably 20 to 30 years. Um, the uh, owner the father passed away a couple of years ago and the kids acquired the property uh keith wallace who's here and pam wallace who's here are the owners currently the four family uh is owned by keith and the two building lots or the land parcels next to it are owned by the sister pam uh i'm helping the family out uh with with this procedure um i'm looking to purchase the land so that's why i'm here speaking on their behalf um we've had meetings with lee Puya and frank boron in building um to resolve the four family the legal issue um so as far as that goes there has been somebody that was uh i don't want to say evicted but you know, let go from the property. So there are three current families living in the property. We also rendered part of the land to the three family to try to make it a legal three family, which we've done other than I believe two inches of frontage that we'll have to get a variance for. So after having conversations with Lee and planning, 
he said that the best route would probably be to take this three family as it and it is a business a lot right now the all that land so to remove the business structure from the property to go residency make it a legal three family which it qualifies for it has enough land uh area and meets all those qualifications which then would take the uh land next to it and turn them into 275 by 100 legal lots uh under the residency uh also stating that they would be built as single family homes nothing more the two lots so if you have any questions i'd be happy to answer them no i mean all the documentation i have here in front of me uh spells out exactly what you just said um no, and like for the board's benefit, if you'd like some, I'd like to provide some staff input before you open it up for a public input on this particular one. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Labrie is correct. Um, the, it, there, there are three lots here, um, or actually four. Uh, there's a strip of residential A, um, a very small lot, and then three lots of business A. And in this entire neighborhood, this is the only area of business A that exists. Um, so from from planning standpoint, it would seem uh, inappropriate to imagine some of the business offerings that are allowed in business A districts to be constructed here when everything else around is a residential neighborhood. Um, additionally, uh, the current structure was being utilized as a four family, um, even though it was permitted as a three. Um, so to make it legal in our collaboration with the building department, um, changing all three lots to residential C would bring the existing structure into compliance with a zoning district that is residential, um, and it would allow, uh, based on the size of the two undeveloped lots, uh, for two single-family homes. Um, and they couldn't be a two or a three because of the area restrictions. Uh, so that is why you're seeing this uh, before you this evening. Um, there's been work from an zoning enforcement and a building code effort on behalf of the building commissioner and his staff uh, in collaboration with planning and looking at this neighborhood holistically. Just to uh, know if, if the zone change does is successful that they will have to go for variance. Was it variance and waiver frontage we talked about because of the it's, it's a little short on frontage. So if there's any public here and they get another notice in the future about this same property, it's because it's two-tenths of a foot short of for two legal-sized lots frontage-wise. So they would need variances and waivers for That's that two-tenths of a foot. Also, one more thing, if I could add, that the, the, the family, the current family that owns the property, are they've been nothing but great trying to alleviate this problem. They weren't aware that this was an illegal four family until they inherited it. So that was, uh, they've been really good about it. And uh, like I said, between Frank and Lee, everything has been talked through and uh, they understand that. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll open it up to public now. If anybody wants to speak, step to the podium, state your name and address for the record.
Good evening. My name is Jean Kane. I live in 40 Beaumont Avenue. My understanding is that all the houses are supposed to have 100 foot. A few years ago, they tried to get five houses next to my house. But because the variance was 100 feet, they weren't allowed to do it. I don't feel that there should be a variance and there should be 100 feet simply because it's the end of the street. Wilson Avenue comes right there. It's a busy, busy street. And having all that traffic on the corner will make it very hard for most of us to get out of there. So I'm opposed to it. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody on Zoom wants to speak on this issue? Nobody else in the audience? Okay, seeing nobody, uh, we'll close the public portion. Any discussion? Okay, I'll entertain a motion. Motion to approve. Second. And just so everybody knows, all we're uh, voting on now is the zone change. No variance, none of that is on the table. Yeah. You're just a recommending body to the city council. Correct. Call the roll when you're ready. Cynthia Labrie. Abstain. Abstain. Eric Ouellette. Yes. Tom Renwitz. Yes. Mike Sarnelli. Yes. Jay Paul. Yes. Motion passes. Okay. Four zero, and that recommendation will be delivered to the city council. Let me go grab Cynthia so she can. Okay, item number three, petition zone change. Application date, September 5th, 2023. Request business A to Garden Industrial Planned Unit Development Type 2, IPUD 2. Zoning business A, location East Main Street, map 133, parcels 1 and 2. Applicant, there's a 2 in here. Kai, Koi to Koi. You got it. Associates, LLC. Care of Christopher P. Lipinski, 9 Wellesley Circle, South Hadley, Mass, 01075. Come on up. You want him over here, right? Please. Thank you. My name is Paul Boudreau. I'm an attorney in South Hadley. I'm here this evening representing Mr. Lipinski, Lipinski Electric, and the applicant, which is Koi 1, Koi 2. Uh, <clears throat> my client purchased this property recently from um, West Mass Area Development, which is a non-profit non organization, does not generate any tax revenue for the city of Chicopee. Uh, in, in 2022, my client purchased property that the uh, 
city council approved a zone change, this property abuts the exact property that you previously allowed a zone change for the garden industrial plan unit development. Uh, it abuts his property. He plans on building an office building, which Lipinski Electric will occupy part of it. And he plans on building another building on this site. Uh, Mr. Lipinski met with Keith Pouliot, who is a city planner. Mr. Pouliot recommended that he file for his own change from business to the Garden Industrial uh, Land Unit Development, IPUD 2, as they refer to it. Um, there was no opposition. This property does not abut any residential neighbors. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge and to the best of Mr. Lipinski's knowledge, that this is something is not considered to be spot zoning. It would be compatible with the remaining property that the West Mass owns. It's all been zoned under the industrial plan development. Okay. I'll be happy to answer any questions if there are. Board have any questions? Just one. Why can't the uh, parcels stay business A? Just the type of building that's going there? I can answer that question if. Yes, please. Go ahead, Lee. Um, so uh, if you remember back to the initial zone change for what was um, the, the American Legion property uh, that this entity purchased, uh, their use is um, defined as construction contract services, which is not allowed in business aid districts, uh, but it is allowed in IPUD 2 districts. So when we considered the zone change for the 41 Robbins Road property, um, moving to IPUD 2 uh, would allow for the for the uh, Lipinski Electric Company's project to advance um, and also uh, would just connect to the existing IPUD 2 district, which is pretty much the entire Chickabee River Business Park. Uh, so with this proposal, they'll have uh, the additional area going down to East Main Street, which is the last business A lot on this block. So we'd be making this block with this uh, uh, with this zone change request request consistent um, throughout the entire area. Uh, so the real the reason for the request is that contract uh, construction services are not allowed in business A districts. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anyone from the public have any questions? You could take a phone name uh, name and address, sir. And you have three minutes. I need substantially less than three minutes. Um, AJ Crane, A Crane Construction, my office is at 821 East Main Street. So I'm also the uh, chair of the board of West Mass Area Development Corporation, which we conveyed the land recently to Mr. Lipinski and his group. And we're excited to have him. We were excited to make the sale. I think it's a great thing for Chickabee. And uh, welcome. He's pretty much his only neighbor, also a contractor services in the iPod 2 park. So uh, welcome to the neighborhood. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone on Zoom? Okay, we'll close the public part of the hearing. Make a motion to approve. Second. Call the rule whenever you're ready. Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Ouellette? Yes. Tom Renowitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion, motion passes 5-0. So a 5-0 recommendation will be passed to the city council for their public hearing. 
Okay, moving on to item agenda, item number four, petition modified definitive site plan, the Food Bank of Western Massachusetts. Application date, August 28, 2023. Request approval of modified definitive site plan. Zoning is IPUD2, location 25 Caroos Street, assessor's map 131, parcel 1A. Applicant, the Food Bank of Western Massachusetts, Inc., 97 North Hatfield Road, Hatfield, Mass., 01038. Okay, thank you. Where do I, where do I point this at? That. It's the room. That's with this. Interesting. All right. Good evening. Uh, I'm John Furman, uh, office manager for VHB in Springfield. Uh, and we are here as our second meeting for uh, modified uh, site plan approval for uh, the food bank at 25 Carew Street. With me tonight is Andrew uh, Morehouse, who is the executive director for the food bank, uh, Andrew Crystal, who is a, a board member of the food bank support uh, group, and Jason John, who is the uh, owner's project manager. Uh, at our first meeting, there were a number of uh, um, items that we discussed uh, which uh, were uh, comments from the uh, uh, the uh, SPRAC committee. Uh, we went through those. Uh, we've had some updates on the plans and we've had some um, uh, progress on some of the sites. So uh, uh, unless the board has a specific agenda they'd like to follow, it's kind of like to run through some of the issues and what's happened out there. Then Andrew will come up and talk about some of the other issues and things that he's addressed, and then we can answer further questions. Sure, go ahead. Yep. So at the last meeting, um, based on uh, Lee Pouliot's uh, recommendation, the modified landscaping plan uh, was approved. Since uh, then, the uh, landscaper, uh, Mountain View, has um, raked the, the lawn area, they prepped it, they've seeded it, hydro-seeded it, and they put down a mesh so that it's getting, starting to get cold. Um, uh, we're starting to see some germination, but I'm not really sure what we're gonna get by the end of the year. Uh, they have made great progress on uh, installing the, um, uh, the landscaping. Uh, they've got uh, additional trees that, that have been planted. Um, they still have more, more to go, but it's actually the site is starting to get dialed in uh, fairly nice. Um, the uh, from the stormwater perspective, uh, the issue at the last meeting was the the big storm event that caused flooding on uh, on Maryland Street and, and flooding coming off the site. Uh, the stormwater uh, controls, the erosion control, the uh, catch basins have all been um, uh, inspected. They've been replaced or needed. Additional controls have been installed, and the uh, landscape. Uh, installer um, who is responsible for those uh, at this point uh, has been visiting the site during rain events to make sure that there are no issues and to my understanding nothing's been can you give me one moment please yeah. if you're recording I need you to just step up to the podium and give your name and uh, what if it's media who you're affiliated with please over here everyone. My name is Marcos, Marcos Ensel. Um, from Seems I'm the video journalist. Thank you. That's all. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No problem. <clears throat> um, on the uh, there were a number of uh, of questions 
that the uh, were at the last meeting uh, re regarding a lot of the um, the things that had we requested from the stormwater um, issues. Um, the uh, request from the city engineer was that the additional uh, concrete that we were proposing for the uh, employee break area and David me would not impact the uh, um, uh, the stormwater controls, and so those there's I'm going to point at that screen over there. So those additional areas are the shaded areas that's here. That's the employee area and the areas that are here. So the the issue is those are uh, currently lawn. What'll happen is they'll scoop out the topsoil. They'll they'll continue the the concrete paving in the same pattern and then um, install the uh, the new concrete. Um, that area, all that shaded area, is approximately a thousand square feet of new impervious surface. Uh, <clears throat> when I uh, ran that additional uh, area through the stormwater model, the basin had basically no effect to it. Um, and it is for two issues, the, the, the two reasons. The first is, is that these areas aren't connected to the stormwater management system. They're all surrounded by lawn. So the, the water that is generated off of uh, this additional uh, impervious service is gonna flow to the lawn areas that, which are adjacent to it. Um, in order to get into the stormwater management system, they'd have to flow over the sidewalk running in front of the uh, parking spaces. There's a grass strip that they'd have to flow over, then jump down the curb and then go into the collection points, which are here and here. Um, so the system is designed to handle that uh, minor increase in impervious surface. And uh, it is doubtful that it will get there because of the landscaping and the uh, lawn areas that are between where the pavement's being, uh, concrete paving is being installed and the, uh, the collection points. Um, there was uh, some questions on solar and uh, we just received uh, some information from the um, the solar designers um, and uh, what our intention is, is to provide all this information um, at, in a response to comment letters to, to planning. Um, we'll talk about the, the building first. There was a question on where the panels were going to be installed. So this is the footprint of the building. This is the, the higher uh, elevation. Uh, and so the panels, the question was asked whether the panels will be visible um, from the ground. The, the panels are all being held off the edge of the building all around consistently uh, six feet. And the panels are being installed 10 degrees off of horizontal. So they're just being tipped a little bit. And they are surface mounted. They're not on large rack systems. So when we questioned the designer, the response was, was that these would not be visible. The uh, other area that you see here is the solar canopy, which we have been talking about. If I go back to our site plan, right there, you'll see that the solar canopy is represented here. And at that time, that is the size that we had anticipated it being uh, designed at. If you go forward to the plan I was just at, that footprint is about here. And so the canopy itself um, is it being extended approximately 51 feet. The additional length is uh, being added to the end furthest away from Carew Street. So the, from the profile perspective, 
um, the additional length won't be won't be noticed. The um, profile of that, which we provided last time, was is identical to a uh, a solar canopy that is installed in East Hampton at River Valley Co-op. Is basically a center design um, support, and then the roof goes off at a very low angle. So on the on the canopy size itself, which represented here, this length is 159 feet. This width here is 44 feet. And from the highest edge, which is this point here to ground, is approximately 20 feet. So the uh, uh, pillars that will support this would be installed in the landscape uh, island, which is right here. So in this representation, you can see what we thought the canopy size was gonna be. It's been extended by one, two, three, four, five parking spaces. Those parking spaces will still uh, be there. Uh, and the landscaping that is planned for this area will be relocated to other areas on the site. And that planter area between the two will basically just be filled with either a mulch or a stone. Um, it, nothing will grow uh, under in the shade under the canopy. So uh, that, uh, is the information that was asked regarding the um, uh, the canopy um, on this view here? We are we are asking for a uh, a new shed, and uh, we had represented it in this area here. Uh, the comment I believe from planning was to request some additional landscaping around it to shield it. Um, our landscape architect who did this plan um, is prepared to do an update. Uh, what he would like to do is just confirm with uh, the planning group on what type of species that they would like to see in that area. And then they'll be added, uh, this plan updated as part of the response to comments that we're putting together. Just as a reminder um, to the board, the shaded areas here, this, this is actually the enhanced uh, landscaping plan. Um, the landscaper had installed everything that was shaded in this area, you can see them. So everything that is shaded was on the approved plan. Everything else that is uh, shown as a dark, a dark um, symbol will be additional landscaping uh, that was added. Um, <clears throat> from a uh, snow storage uh, perspective, that was a question that was asked at the, uh, at the last meeting. And um, it was also brought up again at the Conservation uh, Com Commission meeting. Um, the order of conditions that's issued for the project uh, prohibits snow from being uh, installed in a, um, in a regulated area. Uh, I believe the, the correct term on the order is a statutory rule. Is that correct? Okay, thank you. Um, so I'm flipping to the next or to the... Page on the back. Anywhere in the room? <laughs> Want to go back? No. Oh, back. Get back. There we go. Thank you. All right. So the uh, those areas are basically the buffer buffer lines. So this is the 100 foot buffer line from the wetlands, and then what happens is. The uh, the brook, which is here, kicks into a 200 foot uh, setback line. So the line will go from 100 foot from a resource area 
it'll hit this line and then go 200 feet. And it curls around, you can see it coming up through there. So the snow storage that was approved um, is along <clears throat> this area here in the front, along this side, along Carew Street, and in, in the on the side area. Um, the plantings that were installed in the plan are both grasses and woody vegetation, woody vegetation. So the question came up is whether that enhanced landscaping would uh, survive under the snow that might be piled there. So the, the, the only way snow would be piled there is if uh, someone with a, a machine basically plowed this way and pushed it up over the curb. What you would expect is the snow row as you would on a city street. There, they would come along the curb, they would basically push to the side and they would stack up along the curb. So the landscaping that is in the area here uh, will not be affected by the, the snow because it, it's gonna be right next to the curb. The snows can't plow that far over. Um, it's the, the intent uh, of the uh, snow plan is that all the snow would doesn't we don't have enough room to stack it on site so our plan has always been that whatever gets uh plowed and is pushed to the side is actually stacked on parking spaces at the rear until it, it can be removed and it's removed in uh, one of two ways it's either trucked off site or a snow melter is brought on site and it's melted and it allows to go into the um, the stormwater collection system um, the the removal, um, I think it, by agreement, has occurred within 24 hours uh, of uh, the end of a storm. And um, the, from the parking perspective, uh, the site has over two times the amount of parking spaces required by uh, city ordinance. And the reason uh, for the, those excess pay, uh, spaces was because of certain events that they would have. So um, we have we have area where we can stack the snow temporarily. Um, the canopy area, which is, is right here, would not have any snow uh, in it because it's going to be on top of the canopy. So that might be one of the areas that they um, that they actually end up stacking it until they until they can remove it. Um, there was um, a couple questions uh, on the, on the gates. I believe uh, we were proposing three gates, one along East Main Street and then two along Carew at these entrances here. And we heard from the uh, the neighborhood that the signs um, that were uh, on these gates here were a little too small. So I believe that's uh, being remedied by the food bank. They're having new signs made if they haven't been installed already. Um, and these two, uh, gates were were supported by by planning. The East Main Street gate was not, and um, the food bank uh, is uh, very concerned about not getting approval of that gate. the The intention for that is basically to keep trucks from coming in after hours and basically parking here and idling. And uh, Andrew can talk about the the mechanism for the trucks and how they occur. I, I believe he talked about it at the last at the last meeting, and he's able to refresh everyone's memory on it. If the gate is allowed through here, what the intention would be is that another sign would be installed, 
and it, it would basically say that uh, uh, the gates are closed in during non-receiving hours, um, no staging on the street, proceed to 357 Burnett Road or the other truck stop uh, until uh, opening hours. So the trucks would not be would not be uh, stacked there. Th that is the intention. But the food bank feels that it is important to have that gate to keep them out of the area um, if uh, they arrive uh, in advance of uh, opening up. Uh, I believe that is all I had for, th there were a couple other uh, comments on SPRAC that I may not have uh, touched on. Some of the water department wanted uh, general notes added to the, to the plan. And, and none of those, really none of the comments from SPRAC are an issue. They, they will all be addressed. Um, Andrew, did you wanna talk about a few things? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the, uh, uh, the, the canopy. Um, this is a, a picture of, of what it would look like. This is the Riverview, uh, River Valley Co-op, and he stamped in, and it would look identical to this. I'll leave you this here. Um, just waiting where this is forward. This is backwards. Okay, sure. So, yes, uh, my name is Andrew Morehouse, Executive Director of the Food Bank. Just provide a little bit more of an update if I can get this to work. Okay, so, yep, no, I got it. So, this is the next slide. This is the essentially what uh, John was just referring to. This is the approved snow removal plan. It identifies the areas that, that John re referred to in the previous map of design where the snow would be um, uh, plowed uh, and the areas where we would temporarily stage it uh, for a period of 24 to 48 hours. I believe we have permission uh, before it would be removed or melted um, outside of the buffer zone. Uh, this is just an update a little bit on the signage. Uh, we now have, as of today, two uh, large signs at the, uh, let's say, the first Carew Street entrance. You can see that's one, one sign, and there's an identical one on the other side. Uh, because we don't have <clears throat> gates currently, we're uh, putting up temporary gates uh, uh, to obstruct tractor trailers from entering. We believe these signs will do a lot to prevent them from even attempting to uh, drive in there. Uh, as John mentioned, uh, on East Main Street, and I'm now <clears throat> directing you to the top of the, maybe the second column, uh, we, uh, we have at the bottom of the existing signs there are hours of operation, 8.30 to 2.30, Monday to Friday. And we intend to uh, install on a temporary fence that we have, and, and ideally on a gate that we hope will be approved, uh, the, the signage that John was referring to that uh, there's <clears throat> uh, the, <clears throat> that um, trucks prohibited from parking and, and, and directions to the Burnett's Road or Burnett Street truck stop and the Ludlow truck stop, or in this case, probably just the Burnett Street one. We also have, um, uh, are making our right now two temporary A-frame signs like the ones you see below you, uh, below uh, that are in red and, and uh, white. And those will be essentially um, fastened or adhered onto an A-frame. Uh, so it's just a temporary sign that, that will, uh, one will appear at the corner of uh, uh, 
East Main and Carew Street uh, facing towards City Hall. And that will, uh, that's the one on the right-hand side that will direct traffic straight uh, so that vehicles don't take a right onto Carew Street and, and uh, direct them to the East Main Street entrance. And the other one uh, is at the end of Carew Street uh, so that when uh, vehicles who, that are coming from Page Boulevard and pass our entrance, see the, the blue sign on the left uh, and continue, then see this uh, food bank truck entrance, turn right at the light. Because uh, we're trying to direct all traffic to East Main Street. So uh, as John mentioned, we do believe that all three tractor trail, excuse me, all three gates are uh, essential to prevent trucks from entering uh, when we're closed and overnight. Uh, and that has happened repeatedly. And in fact, last night, um, probably not worth showing you, but we have two videos of tractor trailers. Uh, one, as it says here at 9.25 p.m. and the other was at 11 p.m. that pulled up and actually moved the temporary gates uh, and then drove up uh, and parked and they parked all night. Uh, and so while we do have an approved gate already, uh, right around, if I can get, let's see, right around here, that won't prevent uh, tractor trailers from entering in the middle of the, any time at night and parking right there all night long, perhaps idling, who knows what. And that's why we believe a, a third gate is essential right there. And with the signage on that gate that would direct uh, trucks to the um, truck stop on Burnett Road, uh, we're, we're confident that uh, trucks won't try to park all night. And, and, and if they do, that's that's the job of the police is to is to tell them to move on to the truck stop. Uh, but if there's no gate there, they're going to park right here uh, and uh, um, and overnight. Uh, so then just uh, so not worth showing you, but we've got two videos. Again, the other one is it was at 11 o'clock last night. A second truck moved the temporary gate, drove up and, and parked all night. Uh, John referred to the erosion uh, uh, controls that we put in place. So this is the landscaping. Um, we complied with all the required actions relative to the enforcement order. Uh, so the, uh, the property is, and the, the, lands, the area has been fully landscaped. Uh, here's a photo uh, of the, another section that's been uh, stabilized. And in the distance, you can, right beyond it, you can see the, um, the, screen fencing and, uh, and a, a row of uh, Arbor Vitae that screen the loading dock area and all the trucks from Carew Street, as was promised. And uh, in addition, there was uh, concern or um, frustration <laughs> about the bollard lights so uh, in, uh, along the sidewalk facing Carew Street. So those have been turned off. They will be shielded. Uh, and uh, in fact, um, in, uh, in the event that hopefully uh, the uh, additional concrete patio uh, or in front of the break room is approved, uh, we'll remove two to three additional bollard uh, lights completely 
and these lights will also be dimmable, so we'll be able to uh, dim them, and they'll be shut off at 6 p.m. during the winter um, automatically, in, in the, in, except if there's an event, and we only anticipate one event over the winter. Let's see. And uh, so this is the break room patio area where the that where the patio would be extended and it would essentially be right here. It would come out this way. I'm, how many more feet? 16 feet. This row of hedges would be uh, replanted uh, at the end of it. And uh, this is just a view in the opposite direction from that patio area. Uh, and as you can see, there's there's a, two large trees here and there are more trees growing here. So there's no way that uh, the, the neighbors across the street would even see the patio. And there's no intention to turn it into a, a, a lively facility. It's a, a patio room. It's an area for our, our staff to go and have uh, lunch uh, during the lunch hours, mainly from 12 to one and, and nothing else. It's not designed to be an area for, for parties or loud ruckus of any kind. And just lastly, I know this is beyond the purview of the planning board, but we are seeking from uh, the police and fire departments uh, permission to uh, um, approve a second address so that we can direct all truck traffic uh, to um, East Main Street and particularly come to the food bank to donate food would use a GPS and the, and the second address uh, that would direct them to there and not to the east and uh, not to the cruise street entrances. And ultimately, we just wanted to throw out this option for um, the city of Chicopee to consider an ordinance uh, that would prohibit truck uh, traffic uh, during certain <coughs> hours on um, on Carew Street. And there are there is a precedent for that. Uh, in Homestead Avenue in uh, Chicopee, they've done just that. And they have signs like the one you see here that uh, prohibit truck traffic during certain hours. Uh, and that would be something we would urge the city of Chicopee to consider. And that's it. Oh, yeah. Okay, does the board have any questions? I don't, I'm, I'll stop. Okay, all right, well, oh. Okay. Okay. We'll open for public input. If you want to come up, come to the podium, state your name and address, and you have three minutes. And one turn. My name is Brenda Terrell. I live on 34 Carew Street. Um, I know Saturday night's the time change, so I'm looking for an estimated time when the lights are going to be covered because I know they'll be coming on quicker. Um, they haven't been covered yet. So we're looking at a ETA for the covers on the lights. Um, I oppose the break room just because it's it's more noise. It's more visible. I highly doubt the trees are going to block it all. We have two dogs that bark at everybody. We can't even let them in our living room because they constantly are seeing people out the window. The break room is just going to add more things for our dogs to bark at. So I oppose the break room. And I'm hoping the planning board opposes it also and denies the motion to have a bill. Um, so my other question is when volunteers volunteer at the food bank through the company I work for, they have to sign a no smoking waiver in order to volunteer. 
why do we see people smoking outside the, the food bank if volunteers have to sign a no smoking waiver? Good question. Um, my other question is if every big ugly thing that gets built outside the food bank is ugly. So the um, canopy, that's gonna be ugly. We just saw the pictures. Every ugly thing outside is gonna make the value of our houses go down. How much money do we have to lose in the value of our houses for a canopy that doesn't need to be put there? That thing's ugly. We're already losing value. We already looked up the value of our houses. They already went down. That's not fair to us. So the snow scraper, if that's visible, that's ugly. The canopy, that's gonna be ugly. It's like, how much do we have to lose for something that we didn't want in our neighborhood in the first place? We have flooding problems. I have a big sinkhole in my backyard that was not there the last 17 years. Who knows what's underground? Now we have to have a city engineer come out to figure out where the sinkhole's coming from. We had to put in a hundred pounds of cement and three bags of soil to fill the sinkhole caused by the food bank. So how much damage do we have to put up with in addition to losing value of our houses? It's not fair to us. We've been there 18 years. Other people have been there 60 years. We're losing because of the food bank. So it's not fair to us. Thank you. Thank you. Did you want to say anything about, do you have a designated smoking area or do you not have smoking on the property? Yep, that is our policy and we're working on enforcing it. Uh, we, we just moved into the building a couple of months. We've been busy uh, acclimating and that you are absolutely right. And we had a meeting about it and we're going to uh, enforce the policy. Thank you. Anyone else from the public? Nope. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Kathy sees out from 46 Carew Street. Um, I just passed out some pictures showing you that the problems with the tractor trailers have gotten worse. And the one with the red cab, I was not home at that time, but the second page with the white tractor trailer, I was home. It was 20 after seven this past Monday morning and that truck backed up to within a foot of my house. And then they, Mr. Morehouse did have signs put up. They were put up this morning and it wasn't long after the signs were done that a tractor trailer tried to get in that driveway again. And then as far as the canopy solar panels, I am totally against it. It is an ugly looking figure that's going to be outside of my window. It is going to be, what, 35 feet from my house? And I thought when this was all built, we were going to have Avervites. So we didn't have to look at the parking lot. Well, now we got a big building to look at. We got a parking lot. And now we're going to have solar panels. 
and, and I don't think we deserve it. We're taxpayers. I have to say. Thank you. Good evening, Fred Krampitz, 430 East Street, Chicopee. Uh, I just, you know, would like the uh, planning board to take in consideration the comments that were made here uh, tonight uh, regarding, you know, the, the issues that the residents are having. Uh, I'm glad to hear that the solar panels on the building are not going to be visible uh, from, from the ground, but I too have concerns about the uh, canopy that uh, will have the solar panels on it because it's, you know, directly across uh, from the residents on Karoo. And I also share, you know, the concerns uh, as well about the um, uh, extending the, the patio that, uh, you know, people will go out there and talk. I don't think there's going to be parties, but, you know, it's disruptive when you have, uh, especially up against the building where the sound is going to reflect out and it's going to go across the street. So I think if the patio can be moved to another location, I think that would, uh, help the residents. I, I do uh, thank Mr. Morehouse for the improvements that he's been making recently. Uh, and I hope that he will uh, continue to do that. The city council uh, will look into the, the truck restriction. Uh, but one of the things is that if there's no alternative route, a truck restriction can't be placed. Uh, but I have filed some ordinances to uh, try to resolve the parking of the trucks on Carew Street. And that'll be going before the ordinance committee sometime next month. So we're trying to, to work it all out. And as far as the second address goes, uh, there is some movement on that. I'm hoping to hear within a week or two uh, from engineering on uh, feedback from the police and fire department. So again, I, I thank you for your time. And I would appreciate if you would take into consideration the concerns from the, uh, the residents. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Oh, you're single. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone on Zoom? Staff comments? Yes. All right, Public do you have any questions closed. before I start? Okay. Okay, um, I would like to begin with just giving the planning board an update on the enforcement order that was issued by the Conservation Commission. Uh, they met last evening uh, to review updates uh, from their previous meeting on items that were outstanding on the enforcement order. Uh, based on the review uh, last night, uh, requested inspections uh, by DPW staff, including engineering, uh, photo documentation, the commission determined that all required actions within the enforcement order have been addressed uh, to their satisfaction. Um, so effectively, the enforcement order is closed at this point. Um, the commission did issue a total fine of $900 uh, regarding violations of the order of condition um, and made it clear that if additional enforcement orders need to be issued in the future, um, that the fines will uh, continue at that point. Um, 
Additionally, uh, the commission had requested that staff meet with food bank representatives and their general contractor to review uh, the entire order of conditions, which we did, um, and made clear that everyone understood which order applied to whom, meaning uh, which orders were long-term uh, site operation and maintenance requirements that the food bank would have to take over once the site is fully turned over to them, uh, and which ones apply to the site until the project is done and the commission issues a certificate of occupancy. So to be clear, um, the building uh, will receive a certificate of occupancy from the building commissioner when all construction is complete. The conservation commission will deem the project done when the site is reestablished and the site plan um, is mature. So they'll be looking to ensure that there's no bare ground, um, that all plantings associated with the project within resource areas and buffers um, are reestablished. Um, and then uh, only then will they consider issuing a certificate of compliance, which will close the project out from their point of view. Um, so your, your enforcement officer is the building commissioner. Um, the conservation commission retains their own powers to enforce um, their conditions on the project. We do not anticipate that uh, the site will be ready for a certificate of compliance until uh, late summer or fall of next year based on the additional work that's proposed and where the landscape installations stand uh, today. Um, as for the items that are included in the modified plan, um, just for everyone's, yes, um, as for um, the concept of a modified plan, I just wanna make clear for everyone's benefit, it is not unusual uh, for you to see a modified plan come in uh, while a project is under construction. You saw this with the McKinstry Market Project uh, based on field conditions that were unanticipated uh, when changes needed to be made. Oftentimes you also see that on, them on projects where um, budget adjustments need to be made and there's value engineering or there's a surplus in the budget and an applicant looks to do additional work. Um, because this is still just a site plan, the planning board's review is whether or not it meets the zoning code and whether or not it meets the site plan regulations that you release for projects. Um, I wanna pick up just on the solar question uh, because this is a little bit of a newer section within the zoning code. We do not restrict uh, roof mounted solar anywhere in the city. That's actually against state regulations. Uh, so you have no purview over the rooftop solar. Um, for ground-mounted solar installations, uh, projects are simply required to meet accessory structure setbacks, which this one does. Um, so uh, if you're looking for compliance there, um, that uh, structure complies with the regulation. And I will say that the renewable energy chapter is extremely limited in how much we can regulate. Uh, and that is because we have to remain consistent uh, with the state laws governing renewable energy projects. So we're limited in your capacity uh, to restrict how those are constructed. Um, I think based on the comments you received from the SPRAC committee, uh, the one uh, outstanding item uh, that there is disagreement on um, is the additional gate off of East Main Street. Um, I remain uh, consistent with DPW and engineering 
um, that that is a concern of ours, um, particularly because we don't want um, trucks queuing on East Main Street uh, if the gate is closed and the facility is not open. Um, I appreciate hearing from Councillor Krampitz that there's work underway with the City Council uh, to consider a no parking ordinance on East Main Street. Uh, so while I may remain consistent with the engineer that we're not uh, in support of that gate, if the planning board is comfortable with the City Council's work, and obviously there will be a delay in that because it will require a number of hearings uh, before it could be adopted. Um, I will leave it at your at to your discretion whether or not you approve that component. Uh, but everything else that's before you um, complies with your regulations, um, and um, you you can consider approving with SPRAT conditions. Um, or if there's any other concerns you have on particular items, you can certainly consider uh, addressing those individually. Okay, so part of this vote has to do with the additional gate. That is that is part of the modified plan. Um, and I believe if you look at planning's comments, uh, we noted our concern um, with that particular item. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can give you my perspective on it, Do you know, doing uh, school construction and everything in the process I'm going through now. Uh, the only thing to stop them is a permanent gate. If you put the temporary panels, it happens on my construction projects all the time. Truck drivers don't care. They'll move them. If you have a sturdy lockable gate, that's the only thing that's going to stop them. Um, you know, so I, I see their point of view with not wanting the trucks to pull in and queue there. The only thing that's going to stop them is that gate. Mm -hmm. okay. um, as for the break room area, I would think that they'd be able to install some kind of um, sound buffer or reduction with plants or whatever since it's going to be enclosed somewhat. Is it enclosed totally or is it just it's not enclosed all, it's just shrubbery? Oh, okay. And that should reduce that too. Right. It's uh, it's kind of tough to to see from this graphics, but the the area right here is where the uh, additional concrete is being proposed. Um, and Andrew uh, was correct, is that the plants that are already there will be relocated to the backside of the uh, sidewalk, but there are additional plantings that are proposed as part of this plan. Um, you can, I, it's really tough to see, but the plans that we submitted, all of these areas here that are pointing to them, that's all additional planting that doesn't exist right now. So they, they will be buffered. Okay, thank you. Okay. Any questions? Any more comments? What? The fence alongside the patio or something. Does that make it worse? Could. Maybe that block. patio area, is there a chance you could put a fence there that would block it even more to prevent people? Like she mentioned, she has dogs. The dogs freak out as a dog owner. I understand how that is. Um, I'm just curious what the percentage of that's going to block people from just, hey, they want to have their break, but they, the other people also want to own a, own a dog, you know? Might make more sense just to do that. Yeah. You know, and that way their dogs can hang out in the living room, they won't see anybody. Fence. I mean, okay. It's a visual barricade, too. Yep. Because vegetation, 
you never know, one might die, one might be thin, so. Any other discussion? Make a motion whenever you're ready. So what are we just blanket approving? You, if, if you're going to approve, you still have to make it conditional upon meeting the SPRAC comments. Right. And it sounds We're like you suggested adding site plan. The, We're not going item by item. We're no, you're doing the modified site right plan. Okay. Correct. Um, and it sounds like you want to add the condition of doing fencing um, at the patio. Correct. Yeah. So I'll make a motion to approve. Uh, all SPRAC comments must be addressed as well as adding a six foot stockade fence at the patio. Vinyl or stockade? Whatever, some sort of fencing. Six foot tall fence of their choosing. Yeah. I'll second. Okay, one second. Just, yeah, we're gonna, you're gonna talk about the fence? Just from a, an aesthetics point of view, we would like to not use stockade. We'd like to have it match the cedar fence that is uh, adjacent to the loading dock so that their cedar, the, the stockade fence is. Yeah, and I changed it to six foot fence of your choosing. Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Yeah, we changed it. <laughs> okay. I need that again. Can you repeat that? Approve uh, <laughs> it. So the motion is to approve all spread comments being met and a six-foot fence at the patio. Killing me over here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying, privacy. Privacy fence. Six-foot privacy fence. Okay. Do I have to make the motion again? No, we need a I second. second. Okay. Yep. Whenever you're ready. In the... Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renowitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion passes 5 0. Okay. Agenda item number five petition site plan with waiver request Marion excavating. Application date September 25th, 2023. Request proposed contract construction services facility for use as a contractor's yard and associated site improvements, zoning industrial location Ludlow and New Ludlow Roads, assessor map 779, parcels five and six, map 747, parcel one, and map 762, parcel eight. Um, application applicant Marion Excavating Company Inc. Care of Todd B. Marion, 749 Ludlow Road, South Hadley, Mass. 01075. I'm going to excuse myself and abstain from the vote as I own a business and I lease from 749 New Ludlow Road. Good evening. Uh, 
Good evening, board members. I'm Rob Levesque from R. Levesque Associates here this evening representing Marion Construction. Before I go any farther, can everybody hear me okay? Great, thank you. Uh, so we're here for, I uh, call it uh, kind of an after the fact uh, site plan application. Um, Todd Marion and, and Marion Excavating has been um, occupying a building on New Ludlow Road uh, for a number of years. Uh, it came to their, um, uh, they, they came to understand that they were occupying the building without the necessary uh, certificate of occupancy and some of the uh, site plan approval requirements that would normally be required, triggered by the occupancy of the building. Um, since that time, there's been an enforcement order issued by the building department um, and they have uh, negotiated a stay of the, um, we'll call it the, um, the cease and desist on the subject property. So we're here this evening to just kind of bring you up to speed with um, the submission and show you what's going on here. So uh, New Ludlow Road is to the top of my plan here. There's an existing parking area. This building was built by, I believe, by Associated um, Builders years ago, or at least the expansion was. Uh, so the existing building here remains. Uh, Marion Excavating is operating within a portion of that building, mostly office space. Uh, towards the rear of the building, there is a garage associated with their building uh, with overhead doors, et cetera. Um, and then in the back, they have a yard space. There's two different properties that are made up um, by um, or that are utilized by Marion Excavating. One is Gen 2, the Gen 2 property, which is this property here, which houses the existing structure. Um, the other is called Len Viv, which is, they're both LLCs. Um, the Len Viv property is predominantly utilized as a, um, a material processing in sales yard, uh, somewhat in association with uh, Marion Construction, but also independent, uh, working independently. Um, so we're requesting, uh, this, the details of what we're requesting are for the construction use which is allowed by right within the zoning district, um, as well as the processing, which is also allowed by right in the zoning district. Um, there is a subtlety that I wanna point out ahead of time. We have not specifically submitted a request for any excavation of native material. That would require, um, I believe it's called a soil and landfill special permit right. through the, um, also through the planning board. We have not requested that yet. In the event that they want to excavate, and it's likely they will at some point, in the event that they want to excavate um, the native material out of this area, which is generally uh, what's left is kind of in the back of this area, um, they would certainly need to file that permit. So what we're proposing are site improvements to basically uh, become compliant with stormwater regulations and accommodate those stormwater improvements so that we have what's called under the DEP stormwater regulations, we have what's called a, a, a treatment train. So this is the area at the back of the property to orient you. Uh, the uh, Marion building is up here. Uh, this is a proposed stormwater system that will handle, um, we'll, we'll be expanding this area and expanding um, an area within the buffer zone, a portion of the buffer zone uh, for a stormwater basin. We have gone to the Conservation Commission, I believe last night, they, they issued an order of conditions for the improvements. And essentially these improvements are only to make sure that we're meeting and Marion Brothers are meeting the um, stormwater standards that are required. 
Again, this is the upper portion of the site with the building enlarged. Um, the stormwater basin that I was talking about is to the south, the Lenville property here. And then stormwater again. So we've submitted a preliminary plan. Uh, we've also submitted a definitive plan, which um, we won't be discussing this evening, um, but we do have comments from SPRAC. We're aware and believe we've addressed um, most or all of those already in the definitive set, um, but are happy to answer any questions you may have. But again, this is basically trying to remedy um, a situation where not all the permits were gained uh, at the outset. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have through the chair. Thank you. Cynthia, you have a copy of the, the plan is on the middle of the table there too, if anybody wants to look at it a little closer. Okay. And typically, um, as always, we should have the applicant go over the uh, the SPRAC as, as always. I do, I just received it. Can we go over those, please? Sure. You'd like me to go start through? Thank you, okay. Um, so I have the SPRAC departmental comments uh, on the preliminary site plan review. Oh, you don't have to read all that. Okay. You can just start with Dated planning October department number one. Okay. Planning department number one. Uh, planning staff does not recommend approval of either requested waivers of the preliminary plan, the waiver of the stormwater report. The project involves expanding the construction yard into the current undeveloped land, which lies within the construction buffers. So this comment in particular um, has arguably been addressed because a stormwater report was provided with the definitive. Um, Planning staff considers the plan to be incomplete. Please adhere to the submittal requirements for the preliminary site plans and planning boards and site plan regulations. So this relates, I believe, based on our SPRAC meeting, relates to the stormwater. Um, Doug Ellis made it clear that he would like the stormwater information prior to the um, preliminary submission. We discussed that. I think it's clear. Um, but again, definitive has been uh, submitted with a st full stormwater. Staff cannot determine stormwater. That's number three, essentially the same thing. Uh, plans must include erosion and sedimentation control, understood, that's provided in the updated set. Plan must include a landscaping plan, which has been provided. Um, there may be details in the definitive stage, which we'll certainly address and happy to deal with that with the planning board staff prior to coming back. Um, plans include construction details. Uh, all of the construction details that we anticipate have been provided in the updated set. Confirm any site lighting is proposed. If so, please confirm LED dark sky compliant. We will confirm that. I believe that's been provided with a photometric plan for anything new uh, in the, again, updated set. Uh, remove all storage that exists within the 50 foot conservation buffer zone. Uh, so there was, I believe, a determination of applicability issued with conditions that uh, requested that initially. Uh, I don't believe that had been updated yet on site. So we have relayed that message to Mr. Marion and we anticipate that will happen in short order. Number 10, if gaps exist in natural vegetative buffer in the Northwest corner of the property, please enhance with additional plantings. We'd be happy to do that. And we'll make sure that our definitive set addresses that. Number nine. Number nine, storage bins in the Northwest corner of the property must be at least 25 feet from the property line. So we've discussed that with Mr. Marion. He was at the um, SPRAC meeting and I believe those hopefully have been taken care of, but if not, we will confirm. Number 11, uh, please include the plans that the City of Chicopee Water Department 
is not a non-member utility of DigSafe and will need to be notified separately. So we'll add that to the plans. And they give the DigSafe number and email. Police department recommends approval. Building department um, provided an email stating they have no comments. Health department did not submit any written comments. Conservation Commission, the applicant has filed a notice of intent, which I had discussed earlier. An order of conditions, I believe, uh, at least has been uh, voted on and will be issued shortly. Um, Chicopee Electric Light provided an email stating they have no comments as the property is serviced through South Hadley. The Commission on Disabilities, no written comments. Engineering Department, this application is incomplete as discussed previous. Um, they, uh, there's also an 80 scale plan. A waiver of the submitted drainage calculations preliminary has also been requested. Um, no, I believe I've covered that. Number 19, engineering department cannot uh, begin a meaningful review without drainage calcs. Essentially the same comment from previous. Um, number 20, complete preliminary submission should be submitted to perform proper review. Again, the same comment. Um, and they're looking for the stormwater. Um, fire department, no work is being performed within the existing structures, uh, existing fuel tanks or driveways, roadways that will affect the fire, no concerns. So essentially no concerns. Water pollution control, stormwater discharge permit has already been applied for, no further comments. So I believe we understand those comments. I think most of them have been addressed. I think the biggest uh, ticket items were related to uh, Mr. Ellis being able to review, um, you know, stormwater calcs ahead of time before we got to the definitive. But I believe that's been clarified and resolved in the definitive set. Be happy to answer any additional questions you have. You don't have anything. The one question I have is, right now, what are we looking at? Approving the preliminary plans? Uh, correct. So this is a preliminary plan set. There is there are two waiver requests, one to waive it and make it definitive, uh, which planning, as you heard, does not support. Um, and two, the second to waive the preliminary stormwater report, which engineering and planning did not support. Um, so you'll take three votes tonight, the two waivers and the preliminary plan set. Okay, so we're not jumping to definitive plans tonight. If you if you deny the waiver of preliminary, then these will be preliminary, and then the definitive set will be required. Any other questions from the board? Any questions or comments from the public? Okay, just state your name and address, and you have the timer. Three minutes. Good evening, board members. My name is Tammy Roy. I live at 171 Ludlow Road, directly across the street from Marion Excavating Property. Thank you for the opportunity to express concerns regarding the proposed industrial excavation expansion in its proximity to the Ludlow Road residential zone. While much of the focus may be on the important protection of wetland areas, runoff, and the natural habitat, I would also hope the concern for area residents and their immediate surroundings are also addressed. Dust particles and diesel fumes have affected the quality of life for my family and surrounding neighbors. As more trees have been cut down in recent years and the excavation is increasingly closer to Ludlow Road, our doors and windows must stay closed due to poor air quality. The fumes and dust pollutants from Marion's construction vehicles are just too much. 
deforestation that helped reduce the travel of fine dust particles and noise nuisance is all but gone. Thus, I asked the city to verify the accuracy of the existing tree line distances according to the site plan map dated September 25th, 2023, stating the tree, stating the tree line is 130 feet southerly from Ludwell Road for approximately 500 feet starting at 130 Ludlow Road, continuing to the Fairview Auto Salvage. Also verifying that the accuracy of the existing tree line is 100 foot westerly from the residents of 130 Ludlow Road is needed. Equally important is a request of an added buffer of evergreen trees between the industrial zone and Ludlow Road residents. The plantings consisting of at least two rows staggered will help reduce dust, noise, and fumes for year-round air quality. It is respectfully requested that no further excavation occurs within the wooded area, both south and west of the tree line abutting Ludlow residents as shown on the plans dated September 25th, 2023. Additionally, limit the amount of proposed deforestation in the northerly section of the expansion plan. Lastly, to ensure that the company will be better stewards moving forward, active monitoring and testing of the site continue. One final note, as a Ward 9 resident, I'm not anti-business, but pro-green, not greed. There needs to be a reasonable balance. Trees are the answer. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good evening, Deb Sutherland, 129 Ledlow Road. This is my sixth foray into the city government with the accompanying confusion and concerns regarding the misfortunate circumstances when industrial and residential properties abut. I spent some time today reading zoning ordinances and I, I think I understand what I read. I want to spend some of my three minutes shining some light on the very tall pile of excavated sand, dirt, and dust that currently resides on the border that abuts the parcel 130 Ledlow Road. When the borders of residential and industrial meet, my, peasant, my pedestrian understanding of the zoning ordinance informs me about building heights and distances from the border. This ridiculously tall, windswept, uncovered, too close mountain of sand, dirt, and possibly concrete dust is on the border of 130 Ledlow Road and Marion Excavating. Can we get a measurement of the distance from the border and the height of this building, big, bigger than a building pile of misery? Can we ask the planning board for consideration of this particularly unhealthy structure? Its foreboding presence ruins privacy, compromises health, has a substantially negative effect on the value of 130 property and just as disheartening causes a sense of failure to protect our family and home from big business encroaching on our personal lives. Our request in, is of the board recognizes this is more than an abutting building and much more than a health hazard with the compounding effect of crushing the souls of the kind and gentle Chigabee citizens who live there. Our group desire to protect our home, keep our neighborhoods safe from any and all incursions is fierce. We are clear headed and clear eyed regarding our demands, desires and our needs. No trees cut down, no excavating of earth along the south and west borders of the industrial residential unfortunate common border. The planting of two staggered rows of 10 foot evergreens. 
That leaves us with Misery Mountain to contend with. We would welcome the following in declining order of positive effect on our lives, moving the mountain, shortening the mountain, covering the mountain, wetting the mountain to discourage unhealthy particulate from infiltrating our homes, our lungs, and our yards. When I sat down to Ryan's yesterday, I wanted to try and impress the board with a level of difficulty, a standard citizen experiences navigating the complex maze that is city government. It's a tough road to hoe. With that said, I would like to thank the planning department for all their education, assistance, and kindness. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Mary Beth Costello, Ward 9 City Council. Uh, address is 66 Foss Avenue. The residents have raised some health concerns here. They're talking about breathing in dust and the possibility of concrete particles. That's something that we have to take seriously. Residents do matter and their quality of life matters. So what I'm asking the board to do is to consider what the residents have to say because they have to live there. Nobody here goes back there and lives there. As a Ward 9 counselor, I've always advocated that residents' voices must be heard. And in this particular issue, I certainly wouldn't want anyone to breathe dust that could be possibly harmful to their health. Dust is a foreign particle, and going into somebody's lungs or into their body is not safe. So we have to work on working on getting this project so that it doesn't affect the quality of life in that particular neighborhood. I wanna thank Deb Sutherland, Tammy Roy, <clears throat> for their constant coming to meetings to raise the issue of what is the best route to take in our neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Ken Morrow, uh, 468 Moncom Street, Chigby. I'm a resident of Ward 9. Uh, sometimes I go to Marion, and, you know, every time I go there, there's no dust on the ground. It's always wet. You know, there's no particles. I get it. They're a construction company. You're going to have issues. But, you know, they're here trying to do the right thing. We should approve it. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, anyone on Zoom? Okay, we'll close the public uh, portion. Um, for the chairperson, before you begin your debate, could I just ask um, the applicant's representative uh, to uh, answer a question? Sure. Um, Rob, could you explain um, to the board um, how the improvements associated with this plan will assist in improving the overall condition um, at this property. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Poyat. So 
I think I think I understand the question, and I, I think it's fairly broad, but I'll, I'll do my best. So um, first and foremost, I'll talk about stormwater, and I'll talk about dust control and conditions of permits. So I did hear, first of all, um, I did hear the, the, the two ladies, I'm sorry, I don't remember the specific names, um, and obviously the, the counselor. So um, Marion Brothers is an excavation contractor. They also... Uh, process and sell material. Um, we understand that that's arguably somewhat in conflict with residential uses directly adjacent. So we are at the crossroads. So we understand that. So the good news is, as part of this submission, we're required to submit a state-of-the-art design for stormwater. And with that state-of-the-art design, we're required to treat stormwater and handle it much differently than it would have to if it's untreated or not controlled. So we have a series of drainage, a drainage system that has what's called a treatment train. Um, that treatment train essentially cleans the water or collects suspended solids or floatables um, prior to going to a resource area. We have an important resource area within the Lev Lenviv property. It's been delineated. Um, we have submitted a permit uh, request permit application to the Conservation Commission called a Notice of Intent. So the wetland resource area will not receive any untreated stormwater or unchecked stormwater. We can't increase over the pre-development condition. So what we had to do is we had to introduce additional subsurface drainage. Um, the treatment train consists of deep sump catch basins, water quality units, um, and a number of other um, require DEP requirements to make sure that we're meeting that stormwater standard. So the good news is that all of that is required. All of that is new. Um, as far as I believe um, buffers and control of material uh, and processing of material and how that happens, um, the watering to, to keep dust down, all of that control the good news is we're here before the planning board and the planning board, while the use is allowed in the zoning district, it certainly can be conditioned. Um, I believe, I don't want to get into too much detail, but I believe that um, at the definitive stage, we can provide all of the answers to the questions. If we're, I believe we'll be provided your comments. We'll provide those distances that you're looking for. We'll look at vegetation. We'll look at um, buffering and we'll look at the operation. We'll, we'll have to, look long and hard with Mr. Marion and the, and the other family members um, and make sure that they're adhering to something that the planning board thinks is appropriate so that the permit that's issued is conditioned and then can be enforced. Um, right now, they're there, they're operating, they're trying to do a good job, but they don't necessarily have all the conditions in place. This will allow us to do that. This process is really us getting back into Maybe if they were a little bit out of compliance or if they're a little high or if there's dust control problems, this will allow us to address those in a formal manner with the planning board um, and with the planning department. Is that? Thank you. Thank you. No one on Zoom. Do you have anything additional? Um, yeah, I can go to, what did you have, Jen, before I start? Yes, um, so um, this is, again, uh, you have two waiver requests before you. Um, we do not support either. Um, 
And based on the comments tonight, um, I would uh, suggest that if you were to deny the waiver to uh, requesting uh, to go straight to definitive plans, that would give time for planning staff to meet with um, the applicant and their design team on site, um, look at opportunities for additional buffering um, and maybe um, areas that we can keep off limits in the future um, and uh, really uh, finesse um, the future definitive plan um, to maximize our ability uh, to address some of the concerns. Um, again, um, the board will um, have to recognize um, there are limits on how far you can ask any applicant to go, um, but I'm I'm hopeful there's some collaboration here um, and we can uh, make some additional improvements. I also do want to mention, um, as Rob noted, uh, this project was before the Conservation Commission uh, last night. Um, the commission completed their work and issued an order of conditions um, for the plan that's before you. Um, so our recommendation based on this evening would be um, that uh, you're consistent with the SPRAC comments, which would be to deny the two waiver requests, accept these as preliminary plans with conditions. Uh, and if you want to uh, include the additional um, condition uh, that planning staff meets with the applicant and their design team uh, to further address um, resident concerns, uh, we're glad to do that as well. I'll make a motion to deny the waiver of the submittal for the stormwater report. Okay. So you have to do um, one waiver at a time. Uh, is there an Which order again? First? Does it matter? 5A was stormwater report. Stormwater, right. All right, so your first motion is specific to the stormwater report. Yes. Okay, so a yes vote would be a denial. Yes, the vote, a yes vote is to deny. Okay. So can you repeat your motion? The motion to deny the waiver of the submittal of the stormwater report. I need a second. Okay. I need a second. I'll second. Thank you. Sorry. That's okay. No, you already did. Did you? Oh, you did? Whenever you're ready. Cynthia Libri? Yes. Eric Ouellette? Yes. Tom Renowitz? Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Stains. Motion passes 4-0. Second okay. waiver is to waive the preliminary plan. Make a motion to deny the waiver of the preliminary site plans. Whenever you're ready. Cynthia Libri? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renowitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul abstains. Motion passes 4-0. Okay, so now you are voting on the preliminary plans um, as they stand. 
I'll make a motion to approve the preliminary site plan uh, with all SPRAC comments being met. Mike, do you want to include the staff meeting or no in your motion? Include what? Uh, add a, uh, the staff meeting that Lee was speaking about earlier. Staff and the uh, Marion people in uh, the uh, engineer will get together and discuss ways to address what was discussed by the public tonight as an additional condition of approval. Okay, I'll amend my motion. I'll make a motion to approve the preliminary site plan. Uh, with all SPRAC comments being met, as well as staff meeting with the applicant. applicant to discuss neighborhood concerns. Thank you. Second. Cynthia Labrie. Yes. Eric Willett, yes. Tom Renwitz. Yes. Mike Sarnelli. Yes. Jay Paul Abstains. Motion passes 4-0. Thank you very much. Let me just grab Jay for you before you go on. Okay, agenda item number six, petition site plan with waiver requests, drive-through coffee shop application date, September 25th, 2023, request proposed drive-through coffee shop with associate um, associated site improvements and three residential lots, zoning business A and residential A, location 523 and 0 James Street, assessor map 690 parcels 48 and 44D, applicant DD, M Property Group, LLC, care of Daniel Hanush, 166 South Boulevard, West Springfield, Mass, 01089. Uh, good evening again. For the record, Rob Lebeck from Mar Lebeck Associates. Uh, Mr. Danny Hanush from DDR Properties is here. Um, we are here for, again, a preliminary site plan submission uh, at the corner of Memorial Drive in James. Uh, Prospect Street is to my north. The um, site plan you see before you is something that you've seen recently under a zone change request. We came before your planning board for a recommendation on a zone change to zone the business A portion of the property uh, for the entirety of the property. Um, we received a negative recommendation on that. We had some informal meetings with uh, the neighborhood group it was made pretty clear to us that um, the expansion of the business A zone was not seen as a positive thing, at least from the neighbor's point of view. Um, so we looked at what we have here. Um, we were, as you might remember from the original plan, we were looking at citing a coffee shop. Um, we're still looking at citing a coffee shop, but with the business A portion of the property, which is allows the coffee shop by right, um, we were able to only accommodate a drive-through only. So a number of these different coffee shop uh, chains are going to drive-through only, which is a smaller building, um, really no patron use area to speak of. 
um, essentially parking for employees and then a drive-through lane with a bypass lane. Uh, so that's what you're seeing here. So that's focused on the, uh, we'll call it the Eastern portion of the property, which is zone business A. On the, and it's not necessarily the subject of tonight's preliminary, but uh, for reference purposes, on the Western portion of the property uh, and off of the Memorial Drive access in James Street, we're showing three single family homes. Those are allowed by right, again, in this zoning district that's, that we have on the uh, West side. So residence A, the line is here, uh, business on this side, residence A on that side. So we're working with the zoning we have. Um, this property was zoned business A a number of years ago. Uh, again, this was residential. So um, again, there's a preliminary. I'm receiving the SPRAC comments now. We are well aware that um, one of the comments related to stormwater was the same with uh, as the last plan. Um, before I get in the SPRAC comments, I'll turn it back to the chair, see if there's any questions, and I'd be happy to handle the meeting however you like. Oh, do you have any questions so far for the SPRAC comments? Okay. okay. Right ahead. Great, I'll go right into the SPRAC comments. Item number one, so these are planning department staff uh, not recommending the waivers, number one. Um, plan set to complete, uh, have a complete title page, locus, existing conditions plan, lighting plan. Obviously all of that will be provided in the definitive. Um, outer bypass travel lane will likely have to be widened to accommodate emergency vehicles. Uh, we, can, we can do that, that won't be an issue. Um, happy to take care of that. Uh, provide uh, dimensions between the travel lane serving the drive-through window in the nearest residential property. This dimension must be 25 feet. Understood, and we will provide that dimension. Confirm the dumpster is set back at least 15 feet from the nearest residential property line. As proposed, I don't know that it was quite 15 feet, but we're talking about relocating that uh, more internal to the site and away from the residential property. So I've already discussed that with Mr. Hanoush. Stormwater basin to be designed as a rain garden system to include natural plantings with minimal manicured turf. So we'll certainly look at it as that. Um, there's a number of different stormwater basin designs um, that that's a logical request and we'll look to accommodate that. Number seven, establish green buffer plantings to screen business from all budding residences. No problem. Uh, provide a copy of the utility easement from the site to Prospect Street. So we will provide that legal information to the, the board and to the planner, uh, planning department. Label all proposed sewer connections. We can do that. Uh, planning staff recommends against the use of river birch. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, so we will swap those out for a more appropriate species. Number 11, consider planting two shade trees per single family lot to enhance the streetscape. We'll look at that provide a snow management plan. So in the site like this, most likely a lot of the major events would need to be trucked off site and we can communicate that through our definitive submission. Number 13, all lighting fixtures shall be LED and I will make sure that that is the case, but we typically have a shoebox style downlit LED light fixtures that are set on appropriately um, set poles in terms of height. Um, Next, any ground signs must be set back at least 25 feet from the lot line. Otherwise, a special permit would be required. Uh, if, in fact, um, we need to go within 25 feet, we certainly request that through a special permit. We'll confirm that uh, in the definitive set. Please provide a construction details. Those will be provided. Definitive. Um, water department, uh, please include with construction notes, all materials are subject to our approvals. This is more of a, um, number 16 is really more of a material 
uh, request will adhere essentially to all water department requests um, uh, from what we've seen. Items number 16 through 20 uh, all, all appear to be appropriate and we have had that discussion at SPRAC. So those are all items that we will incorporate. Planning department, please provide a plan, a plan to prevent overflow of vehicles onto the roadway. Um, it's a good question. Uh, the beauty of the rotary of Memor at Memorial Drive and, and kind of the interesting uh, arrangement of traffic is that going around the rotary, these folks actually, when they get off uh, and go into this loop, it's a counterclockwise uh, clockwise motion. Um, and then, so they come into this site, they have all of this area, and then we have significant amount of stacking that we'll be able to provide. And again, the beauty of the drive-through only is that these are employee spaces, so they're not typically in conflict unless of a shift, uh, course of a shift change. Um, very rarely are they in conflict with the stacking spaces that run to here and then obviously would extend, um, which we're showing there. Building department, um, they have no comments. Health department, um, we would need to, um, sorry, concern from, they got a concern from the butter um, and there are no specific departmental comments. Conservation Commission, there is no conservation jurisdiction here. Uh, Chicopee Electric, uh, they have no comments. Commissions on disability, no written comments, but we'll certainly make sure the building is accessible. Engineering department comments, um, waiver of the drainage calculations as discussed, uh, I believe that's uh, item number 27, 28, um, they, number 29 is related to mass DOT access at the right of way. So anytime you have, you have access to a mass DOT right away, you need a curb cut permit um, through uh, District 2 in Northampton. So we will certainly address that. Um, this is the engineering department concerned about potential, tra potential traffic issues with stacking of vehicles onto the existing one-way looped access road. Vehicles could stack in the loop access road causing traffic issues. So we can show all that. We can provide that information uh, in the definitive process. So we'll make sure that we communicate with Mr. Ellis with regard to that prior to the submission and then provide that, obviously, the outcome of those discussions to the planning board. The fire department um, requires fire hydrant on the coffee shop side of James Street, preferably on the lot line between three, lot three and the coffee shop, uh, which would be here. Um, we'll work to address that for them. Uh, fire department requires a computer generated turning radius of emergency vehicles so we have a program called auto turn that runs with our autodesk software will show the appropriate vehicles uh, getting through the site effectively so we'll confirm that and then the water pollution control applicant will be required to file wastewater stormwater discharge permit application with Lori goff and we will certainly and uh quinn on sec we will certainly do that Questions from the board <clears throat> or comments? Yeah. Any questions or concerns from the public? My name is Jim Rivas. I live on Barbie Avenue. And uh, of course, once again, we get a different plan. They change it again. Uh, and I can't see that good because you get old, you can't, your eyes aren't that good. Where's your storm water going? Because there was one plan I saw where it was going to be a retention pond 
And what is the plan now for that? Um, that's that's correct. Uh, the plan. So the the area that we're proposing our stormwater is here. Um, and based on the comment from the planning department, we're looking to incorporate their comments as well. Well, uh, number one, why not a leaching catch basin or on the... Sir, just could you please address your questions to the board? Okay, maybe a leaching catch basins in there or a leach field underneath the CVS side of there. I've done that before, works fine. You're gonna have sediment sitting in that, uh, that little pond there, the oils and stuff, it'll stink. And then my neighbors, whose fence is right there, will have to smell that. That's disgusting. And then the, the right of way for the city. And I see you got a house. I don't know how far that right of way goes. Would that house be on top of the right of way for the utilities? So it comes off of Prospect Street. So can, right away, the city owns for utilities. If, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to, if it's possible, yep. to go one at a time. Okay. Uh, okay. So I so I'll, I'll go back to your previous question. So the the um, question related to a surface basin or a subsurface infiltration basin that's being looked at. We always look at that. Um, typically, uh, you need a minimum of seven feet to seasonal high groundwater to accommodate a subsurface infiltration basin. Uh, the two foot minimum, two to three foot separation from seasonal high groundwater to the bottom of a uh, infiltration system, the profile of the infiltration system and cover over the system um, can uh, sometimes not be feasible. Um, it may be feasible here. We will confirm that. We'll certainly look at that. Well, um, so there is the potential of that. Most likely uh, it will be a surface basin based on the request of the planning department. Not to say that that's why we're doing it, but we, based on the request from the planning department, we will certainly look at incorporating, we'll call it green technologies into that basin. That basin will need to drain within a certain period of time um, based on the DEP stormwater management standards. And as far as oils and grits getting into that, um, I spoke about this on the previous project, but when we get to the definitive set here, we will be incorporating the same treatment train. That treatment train will basically handle all floatables and sediment that would get into the system through the incorporation of deep sump catch basins and water quality units prior to going to the basin. And the basin will have a sediment four bay should any additional uh, materials get through and that gets addressed and can be handled that way. So we like surface basins because you can see them, you can see whether they're functioning or not. So we would anticipate that. As far as the uh, right-of-way, um, the right-of-way or easement, I'll call it, is a, is a utility easement. And that runs to the back of the property now. The rest of the property is owned by the subject owner. There'll be proposed easements to accommodate each of these lots that will basically take utilities from Prospect, or at least the utilities that are coming from Prospect, and distribute them to the three houses as well as to the proposed coffee shop. Well, I, I, I know the area and I know drains and you could put a leaching system in there. Um, that being said, whatever. Now the traffic. Last week, my son almost got in a head-on collision leaving CVS coming on to that section of the road <laughs> to come down James Street. And typical people, you know, they don't want to go around the rotary. And so they cut and they go the wrong way up, up 
that little section of the rotary to get into CVS. You're going to have the same problem. And if the people don't want to go on the rotary, they're going to clog up that little tiny section of Prospect Street. And it's already a busy street for that little street. And it's like I told a million people, I like the potholes because it slows down most of them. Now, and we have a lot of walkers. The only other question I have is, you, you moved it away from my neighbor, most of them, but we have one neighbor who has a little child. And the fumes from the cars all lined up for that drive-through will be going into their backyard. It'll make it difficult for them to able to use their backyard with a little baby. And that's, once again, we're talking about a health concern here, you know, uh, and we, the taxpayers have been living there a lot longer than even Fanty's owned this property. We were there when the Stone Sisters owned this property and it was all woods. So our concerns, I know we can't really do much about that. Sir, I let you shop. go over your time. So if you could just wrap it up. All right, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you. You you are more than welcome to, if you had more questions to give it to someone else and bring, they can bring it up. Do you want to go ahead and answer that or? Okay. Anyone else? You have to come up to the podium name uh, name and address, please. You have to come up to the podium podium with your name and address, please. Well, my question is this. If we ask questions, that's not part of our three minutes, is it? Yes. Okay. Then, because this is the first time we're really seeing this, okay? And the gentleman said himself that they just got the report. So no one here can form a question or even understand a report when it's being rattled off. And it's as if it's being pushed with people being totally disregarded. So that's why I was wondering, can we just ask some questions about it without it cutting into our public input? You have to be consistent. What's that? His answers won't go into her input. Answers? That's a question while he's rebutting. It's all foreign to us. I'm sorry. Won't cut into her input? Stop okay. the time while he's we, answering. We can stop the timer when the questions are being answered by the applicant. Yes. Can I ask some questions then? Yes. Could you speak into the microphone, please? Yes. Sue Nemchik, James Street. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the Spratt report or whatever you just, your words when you began, sorry, through the chair, the words you began was, uh, we just received this. Okay, and I know I talked to Doug Ellis and the sergeant at the police station and their concerns were both about public safety and the uh, drive-through curling back on the main road, okay? And I believe you're the developer, I believe the gentleman is the developer of the one Starbucks in West Springfield on Riverdale Road. And that curls back right onto Riverdale Road. And another Starbucks in Chicopee curls out near BJ's. And there's another one, can't remember where, East Columbus Ave, curls out on the main road. Okay, it's just the nature of the beast. Because as the gentleman 
as the gentleman said, here's the question, you're trying to capture and capture and release 30 from a 30,000 drive trip, okay? So you know the intensity you're gonna get, okay? How can, how can the gentleman prove, guarantee that it won't curl out because this is right on top of the rotary? That's my question. Good question, okay. I've asked, I've been asked that before. I've done a number of probably, I don't want to say hundreds, but many of these drive-through sites for different coffee shops. I've been asked that. And I will tell you, I can't guarantee that a soccer mom or a soccer dad is not going to come through one of these and order, for example, if it was a Dunkin', a box of Joe and 15,000 donuts for the soccer team. So there are eventualities that will definitely happen. We answer the questions for folks like Doug Ellis, the city engineer, um, Mass DOT, who has jurisdiction over these roadways, um, and others based on good engineering practice, the ITE manuals and uh, traffic manuals. We employ uh, traffic engineers that have very specific training. Um, that said, the internal circulation of the site is different in this particular project. And I will tell you why. There are no patrons going to and from the building that can arguably clog the counterclockwise motion that you have at a drive-through. We have a bypass lane so that people want to escape, they can do that. And we have very specific um, drive-through lanes with the turning movements, we'll prove, we'll prove all those movements work, uh, would be required to do that, but we, don't anticipate because of the operations inside. So it's not just the outside. This facility will have a number of people working there, all dedicated to the drive-through. The speed of the drive-through and the um, experience that people have through the drive-through is everything to these businesses. So the fact that during COVID, you've seen a number of Starbucks um, and Dunkin' Donuts when they were the only option, um, they were slammed. Those drive-throughs got slammed. There was certainly a condition, and I'm not saying there's not conditions in certain locations, but we're confident that what we have here is adequate. It certainly meets the requirements under the zoning regulations. It certainly meets the safety requirements, and we're committed to working closely with MassDOT, who is the permit-granting authority for access onto this roadway. We'll work closely with them. We'll work closely with Mr. Ellis, as well as the planning department. So we're confident that we can make that work. Can I guarantee you that um, there will never be any stacking uh, outside of the entrance. I absolutely cannot. I don't think anybody could. However, I can tell you that if that did happen in that eventuality, there's likely eight to 10 additional spaces off of the rotary that would be completely one-way traffic and easily accessible um, without any sort of impacts to the Memorial Drive rotary itself. May I approach the planning board and give you this? Sure. Okay. Because I find that it's already proven there's going to be a stacking and back. Cynthia, she needs to speak into the microphone. Oh, you save your, yeah. Oh, sorry about that. And just so you know, if you 
can't really see that and you want to get a closer look, you can come up and look at, at the plan. Go ahead. Now, what's been proven is there's backup. And in a UMass study known to Mr. Dawson and Poulet, this Northern Rotary and Memorial Drive is the top 100 most dangerous areas in transportation because it sits right on the Rotary. And if you look at these pictures, this is even without Starbucks capturing 30,000 drive trips. And you see the congestion. And if you look at some of the other pictures, you see the proximity of all these exits and entrances. And therefore, I have great difficulty. So we can also assess about a $1,000 fine each time they back up onto the main streets and close them down, get rid of the trail, let them reopen and fine them again. As for the drainage, it should be on the site of Starbucks and not on one of the, adjourn uh, the adjacent. I'm sorry, your time is complete yeah i have to let everybody else do more time if i let your time ten go seconds, over please 10 seconds no i'm sorry okay thank you you can have somebody else uh bring that up Janet Pocket, 854 Prospect Street. What now is all this? This is a disastrous and fatalistic proposal for our neighborhood. It has been exhaustingly and infuriatingly frustrating and continually emotionally draining. The issue just does not stop and our nerves are frayed. We should not need to suffer recurrent and intrusive invasions to our neighborhood. It appears we are in the grip of unpredictable and continually disturbing circumstances by out-of-city and out-of-state proprietorships. I believe I heard mention at a previous council meeting that we taxpayers keep refusing certain businesses, then Chicopee may gain a reputation as a city not welcoming to new businesses. I offer that a developer connected to a family with deep pockets can retain legal counsel to assist them in these unwelcome endeavors, then perhaps it's not so difficult. I have lived here since 1980, along with a few other longtime neighbors. Others moved here a few years later and we welcome our newer neighbors. We are all hardworking, tax-paying Chicopee residents. We are the ones who have been here these many years. Our children were and are educated in the Chicopee school system. We live here. You are the usurper, the interloper. By what right do out-of-city property owners, developers, and their attorneys try to steamroller over our concerns? By what right do they have to cause us constant undue anxiety and distress? Avarice, material and monetary gain, grasping and excessive commercialism. We have values in our lives beyond dollars and cents, the preservation of our neighborhood. By what right does a legal entity issue a combative and veiled threat about pursuing litigation 
if we don't agree to this? Freedom of speech, okay. Board members, is it not your duty to best serve the residents of Chicopee? Responsible taxpayers should feel like they are part of a community decision-making process. Is it not incumbent upon this board in your positions of municipal responsibility to ensure residents' safety? We don't want a Starbucks in our neighborhood. They are frequently in the national news for threatening pro-union employees, firing workers, cutting hours, illegal retaliation against employees, withholding benefits from employees in unionized stores, refusing to bargain, shutting down union stores. Although there's already a time Starbucks and Chickabee is this the type of business we want to encourage in our city. Hi, my name is Diane Martin. I live at 851 Prospect Street. I'm the second house from Starbucks where the water basin is going to be in my backyard that could smell or overflow. And we saw that from the food bank. And when it overflows, we have all the promises from Mr. Levesque and also, but they're gone then. Starbucks has taken over. And they even told us at one of the meetings, they're done. Once they get this in, they have nothing to do with the land anymore. They're gone and Starbucks takes over. Starbucks does not have a good reputation for their employees. I got a letter from, from the union saying, asking Chickabee not to let Starbucks go there. We have been fighting this for months. Actually, I, said, I should say for years. The, the zoning board unanimous, unanimously voted down to make it a business zone, as well as voting down Starbucks. That was the main concern to vote with Starbucks down. Mr. Zig Counselor Zigorowski said at the meeting, he voted for us and he said, I'm for business. These are his, almost to quote. He said, but this time the residents are right. And I agree with them. Gary Labrie, Counselor Gary Labrie came to my house. He was nice enough to come to my house. He looked in my backyard, he walked around, he examined everything that was going to be going on. He said, a Starbucks should not be put here at the meeting. You can go back on October 3rd and hear what he said. Other people also said stuff like that. We, the residents, feel like we don't have any say this time. I went to the planning board to talk to Mr. Puyat and Mr. I went to talk to them and I was talked, I felt like I was talked down to, and I was told this will go through and it doesn't matter how we feel about it. So the abutters mean nothing. The residents means nothing. We can talk, he said, but it's going to go through. And that's what I was told. And I don't think that's right to do this to the taxpayers. And I don't like the idea of having a water flow basin right in my backyard that could possibly and it has, it's proven at the food bank that it did overflow. My next door neighbor who is not here tonight because of their baby, they're right on that land. I mean, they're right here, right here. 
and they will be breathing. That baby will be breathing in as well as I'm an elderly, I'll be breathing in. And the rest of the people on my street, we all agree. We don't have, we feel like we don't have any say in the city of Chicopee. After we had the whole zoning board unanimously, all the aldermen, they all agreed with us. And now we have no say because it, it, we got to the planning board because they're not elected officials, I was told. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. My name is Tammy Martin Griffin and I live at 84 Dorothy Avenue. My mom is dying at 851 Prospect Street. All I'm going to say is these meetings seem to be filled, the planning meetings specifically, filled with a combination of hearing the consequences of the irresponsible passing and planning that is going on, like we saw with the food bank. The, the residents do not matter, and it's sad. Four entire sets of city council have voted this down because of safety, mainly. Forget about the rest of it, safety. And a, re a study has been done, a, a very intense study, asked by the city to, to be conducted, and this is going against every piece of it. And it, it just, it's mind boggling. And one has to question where and why this is happening. And there's a gentleman I have to call out in the audience that I recognize. I looked him up. Um, I believe Mr. Crane, I, I believe he's a builder and I believe you are Mr. Frank LaFlam's relative nephew, cousin something, I think. Um, but the reason you stuck out in my mind is because at the... I zone, just need to interrupt you if you're going to make any personal attack that's not allowed. No, no, it's not a personal okay, attack. I'm making a comment. I'm commenting. I'm commenting that I saw your face tonight and it reminded me, because uh, I, I won't forget you, because he stood up when we asked as a neighborhood why this property could not be made all residential as opposed to all business. This was at... I believe it was the zoning or the planning meeting. And this gentleman got up and said, he's a builder. No builder would put a residence on this property. And now we have three going up. Like this is mind boggling. Part of the, part of what Mr. Levesque said in his um, proposal was that they would minimize the entrances and exits for safety reasons because of the location and the amount of accidents in this area. So now we've gone from minimizing them because they were, they were going to use this, the same as CVS, or we're adding three driveways. So we have five new entrances and exits. This Watching you guys too, a couple of standing and laughing and like, this is our lives. What, what you got, what's, this is not right. What's happening. Like, it's not right at all. And I, I promise you, we will do whatever we need to do to protect ourselves in our neighborhood. Thank you.
Lisa Bienvenue, 34 Everett Street. I've gone to a lot of these meetings. You know, when you when you look when you listen to um, each issue that's come up this evening, I think the food bank really illustrates the issue um, with the planning department, the planning board, and these SPRAC reports. Um, <laughs> there was contest against the food bank. But now look at the issues that have come up, a ton of issues that have come up that didn't seem to be in the SPRAC report and everything was hunky-dory, uh, including that, that poor woman who said she had the sinkhole in her backyard. So now we have additional issues that have come up with zoning and everything else of which this is the same location, a little modified operation, um, but you have the same danger from the traffic that you had when zoning voted this down by the city council. And we realize this is by right, but you know, there's a limit to saying, oh, there might be a little stacking. If you're around that rotary all the time, you'd understand that, that that's, that's like saying, you know, Noah in the flood dealt with a little rain, okay? Because the traffic there is unbelievable. If you're leaving the price right um, plaza, you can't take a left 95% of the time because you cannot get through the traffic. You have to take the right and go with the traffic and, and, and go up Memorial Drive to get to the neighborhoods there where you would where you would take a left. So, you know, I'm listening to the comments in this FRAC report, and it seems disingenuous that, that there isn't a lot of thought being put into this, real thought about what the impacts are by the department heads in our city when they're commenting to this. And then it comes to the, to the board here. And when I listened about the, the shrubs and the six foot fence about noise, for the food bank, and I and I I thought, you know, no one's talking about sound loss transmission because that's what you're looking for. That's a whole engineering concept of noise control. So where you're talking about the sound loss transmission, and that's not being discussed. It's just what's the fence. Well, what's the noise going to be? What's going to be the angle of the noise that's going off the fence? And is it going to create more for the neighborhood or less? So, you know, we're, we're throwing comments out there, but they're not full-fledged um, thoughtful discussions on this. Thank you. Uh, Derek Dobis, 70 Post Road, uh, Ward 6 City Council. Uh, <clears throat> the first thing I want to bring up, the Ward Council requested an attorney be present at this meeting, and that request was denied, which I think is sketchy by nature. Uh, city Councilors requested a city attorney to be at this meeting, and uh, that should have been uh, that should have been approved. Um, so the City Council denied this because we believe that this parcel was not safe to develop. And uh, my personal issue is the drive-through. Uh, we don't want a repeat of the Dairy Queen and Kenny Boulevard with cars going all the way down, stacking. Uh, and that's what's going to happen here. The cars are going to uh, clog up James Street, clog up Memorial Drive. 
and I just don't think it's uh, it's very safe. Um, you have an issue where, uh, you know, majority of the city council, uh, I believe 12 votes, if I remember correctly, voted this down. Uh, you have uh, a huge block of voters from the highest voting ward in the city, overwhelming majority against it. And, uh, you know, that should be taken into consideration. Uh, none of you have asked the applicant any questions at all about his plan. And in my opinion, that's just not due diligence. You know, we're willing to do the due diligence for you. Uh, I would ask that you delay the vote one meeting, let the city council go through the plans, let the residents go through the plans. You have a lot of resources here. Uh, we're a community. We're willing to go through the plans with the planning board. Um, but none of you have asked any questions. How could you vote this through tonight without asking them any questions? Uh, we're asking to go through the plans uh, before approving this tonight. Uh, if the applicant wasn't here for some reason, you would delay the vote one month. So I'm asking the planning board tonight to delay the vote one month so that we have time to go through the plans, meet with all the department heads and get all of our ducks in a row. Thank you. Thank you. Beverly Bellavance, 41 Barbie Avenue, Ward 9. Um, I need to know two things. This, I. Yesterday morning, I spoke to the Chicopee Police Department, and I sent an email to our police chief, Major, and he forwarded to um, Sergeant Lynch. Sergeant Lynch called me back at my house, and he said that um, from reading what I had written, he agrees for the safety. As far as the craziness of all the cars that it is totally unsafe to add a business that's going to attract wild attention plus three lovely homes which would which are nice but to add additional traffic is totally not safe so he said he forwarded to someone here at the city and i haven't heard tonight anything what sergeant lynch from the police department said, he said, I forwarded my comments to the city. I'm curious because I didn't hear anything. I also spoke to um, Mr. Ellis, the civil engineer, and he agreed that the traffic um, is, is just a horrendous problem. We're taking our life in our hands. And if my children die from an accident, I will just be just cremate me if they die. Um, what Mr. Ellis, the engineer, said is that he recommended that the purchaser um, through Northampton do the DOT travel study. Um, I know it was quickly gone over at, with the SPRAC re report, but it's like, oh no, I need to see the meat and potatoes. I need to see um, exactly what he said that it would go done, that the DOT, because Memorial Drive is state, James is, is city. I need to see that um, what the police recommended is gonna be done and is heard, not just gone over real quick. So I just I just need more details. We know it's business. We we know we've accepted that there's many businesses that would comfortably go there, 
I like the residence area, but I, it's just a bad place. Um, and I'm just curious what the police said and um, Mr. Ellis, thank you. All right, so the uh, police comment was, please provide a plan to prevent the overflow of vehicles onto the roadway. The engineering had two comments. A review of this application must be done by the Massachusetts Department of Transportation, MassDOT, as access is from MassDOT right of way. And a uh, different item, I am concerned about potential traffic issues with stacking of vehicles onto the existing one-way looped access road that is within the MassDOT right of way. Vehicles could stack into the looped access road, causing traffic issues within the one-way and also could prevent impact uh, sorry, could potentially impact the slip lane from Memorial Drive onto James Street. Mass DOT must be contacted for their opinion of these potential traffic impacts. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just going to read the other comment to see if that has to do with it also. Nope. Okay. Good evening again, Mary Beth Costello, Ward 9 City Council, 66 Foss Avenue. Um, this is not a safe idea. If you go out there and you look at the crosswalks right in front of 523 James Street, you take your life in your hands when you're crossing there. And this is only going to add to the danger in that crosswalk. Councillor Dobas is absolutely correct. I did request an attorney for this particular meeting. And I was told that only the planning board could have that power to request. Because there are many issues and some of those are legal. And that would help you make an informative decision because with these crosswalks, this could be a serious accident waiting to happen. Serious. And I'm asking every single planning board member, and I was on the planning board for 17 years. And 11 of those years, I was the chairperson. And I went out to visit the sites. And I'm asking every planning board member to go out there and look at the crosswalks. There's two that are owned and regulated by the state. I have been in contact with Mass DOT, a Mr. Lane, and I've asked him to look at the crosswalk, especially in front of 523 James Street. Now, if you have a wheelchair, or if you're in a walker, how are you going to cross there? Go out and look at it. How would you ever cross from one section to another when you have lots of cars going off a very dangerous rotary? I want to thank Councillor Dovas for speaking on behalf of the residents of Ward 9 in regards to safety. Councillor Dovas and myself did vote against the food bank, 
because we believed that was not in the best interest of the residents and the neighborhood. And Mr. Dobos is absolutely correct that we should probably continue this and get far more information to make a very informed decision because this is dangerous. That crosswalk at 523 James Street, you walk across it and you take a couple of deep breaths. Public safety is number one and we certainly do not want excess traffic that's gonna create more pedestrian fatalities. Thank you. Thank you. Gary Parker, uh, 44 Kitty Boulevard. Um, our property backs up against the Knights of Columbus. You've seen me at previous meetings. Um, I mean, everything that's been said is pretty much what I'm saying. The traffic there is terrible and it's gonna get worse because if I understand correctly, the motion for the Dunkin' Donuts kitty corner to where the Starbucks is being proposed was approved for a site plan. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that that was approved to move forward. So we're already looking at a contentious drive-through going in in the Knights of Columbus parking lot. Um, yeah, the traffic's gonna be worse than it is now, which I'm sure was not taken into account here because it probably wasn't known about. So um, the rotor is bad. Um, actually, I almost got T-bone there on Monday because it's a rotary and an intersection or a rotary and a, yeah, like a cross intersection. So people try to skip the light. Um, if I hadn't been paying attention, this guy just breezed right through, didn't even look just to get past the light the red light so we can continue up memorial so thank you thank you once again my name is ken morrow 468 montcalm street chigby mass i sound a little nervous this is my first meeting um I wanted to speak out a little bit about the property that we're talking about. That property has been garbage since I was 15 years old. I lived in Chigabee. I went to school in Chigabee schools. I coached at Chigabee Comp for a little bit. Um, you know, I want to get more involved with the community because, uh, you know, I think like we're not being represented correctly. Uh, that property needs to be uh, developed. It's been long enough and needs to get back on the taxpayer rolls. Uh, the traffic there that they talk about with the crosswalks and everything, that's, you know, DOT's problem. You know, that property is set up for uh, business A, obviously, and now three properties, houses. The only thing that kind of irritates me a little bit is the whole property should have been approved because... Now you're going to have houses there. It makes the shop a little smaller. So yeah, the people got their way, but this is what it's zoned. This is what it's for. There's no reason to stop it. You know, we needed to get the taxpayer. It's back on taxpayer roll is what we need. You know, uh, they follow all the laws. They're doing the plans. 
you know, we need to approve it tonight. We don't need to prolong it. This this is, you know, been going on for long enough. The planning board looked at it. The police have looked at it. The engineers have looked at it. They gave you their recommendations. There's no need to prolong it. And that's pretty much what I got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening now, AJ Crane. I'm at 821 East Main Street. Um, I kind of echo the gentleman's comments before. Um, I've been at these meetings. I was in favor of the food bank. I'm in favor of the Boys and Girls Club project. I'm in favor of the Lipinski project, which is why I came here tonight again. But uh, I'm also in favor of the development of any vacant parcel in the city of Chicopee. I think that development is an important thing. I think getting larger taxpayers on the rolls is an important thing. And that I grew up in Chicopee too. That thing, that, that slice of land has been totally useless for a very long time and a hazard. And I do think it's unfortunate that housing is going to end up there uh, on the residence. I think it should have been approved before. I thought it would, I think it would have been a much cleaner site, but unfortunately now it has to be developed in a shoehorn because uh, it's going to be a buy right project and now he only has a third of the site to deal with, and that's what that's what's going to end up to be. It's a shame, I think. Um, I'm just in favor of any type of development that is responsible, and I think that probably Lee, after this, can maybe clarify the actual process. Just because if a preliminary set gets approved tonight, that does not mean that it's it's a done deal. It's going through. It just moves to the next step, the definitive set, and then there are large amounts of of uh, detailed information that go into that. It's, uh, I'm sure that all of the departments will force all of the rules on any applicant, including this one. So it's just a first step in a long process in a buy right process. Thank you. Thank you. Christine Parker, 835 Prospect Street. I attended the mayor's meeting for Ward 9 many weeks ago. And I was sitting there kind of bored listening to things. And then all of a sudden, an elderly woman, not that I'm not elderly, but an elderly woman asked about her home and something that was going on. And I didn't quite understand. But I heard our mayor say to her after he listened to her that he understood that our homes are our sanctuary. I don't think he would agree with the two men that spoke before me. We live there and we enjoy it. Maybe it's been messy, but the people that own the land don't mow the lawn. And when they got really upset with us for one incident where they were denied, they cut down all the trees and left a mess everywhere. So where's their responsibility? I just don't understand why so many of us that work hard own homes and are trying to protect them. And I would ask every one of you sitting here tonight, what do you look at when you go out in your backyard over your fence? Do you see a Starbucks lined up with cars? They tried a family dollar and other things before I even moved into the area. And then I was upset because I heard some people say that, well, you picked to live in that area. Yes, I did. 
But I knew that O'Reilly's was across the street and price right. I accepted that. And I was told that that was a residential A area behind me. I made sure, my husband and I made sure that it was. And we bought the home. I just don't understand any of this. So if our mayor can say, my house is my sanctuary, he must have some power in this city. Maybe he can do something. I just don't know. Thank you. Anyone else? Go ahead. Hi, my name is John Parker. I live at 835 Prospect along with my wife, Christine. Um, we have many concerns for this property. Um, the waiver that they are seeking is a big chunk of land for what purpose, which is residential A. Yes, there is a right of way coming off of Prospect Street. For what purpose is that? Is that gonna be strictly utilities? There is already utilities going to that property. Yes, it's antiquated, but why can't it be <clears throat> placed in the existing location? Furthermore, they said overflow um, into their their drive-through is allowed for eight cars. That is also blocking the entrance to CVS that we'll be sharing. So they'll be dominating that whole section. And it'll be more difficult to get out onto the rotary. So you know, please consider this. Thank you. Thank you. Furthermore, uh, I'm a good example of that crosswalk. There's no way in heck I can get across that. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, anyone on Zoom? Anyone on Zoom? Okay, we'll close the public part of the, the um, meeting. Staff comments? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to try to bucket my comments into a number of areas to hopefully clear up uh, some misinformation that has been floating out there about this property, this project, um, and what this board's abilities are under the zoning code and the site plan regulations. Uh, so you will remember uh, a few months ago, you did review a zone change request for this property. It is currently split zone between residential A, uh, which is for single family home development and business A, uh, which includes a number of business uh, by right uses. Uh, you had a split recommendation two two to the city council on that. Uh, when it went to public hearing with the city council, uh, it was ultimately denied and it was denied by the full city council. However, I want to clarify that that does not mean that the property does not have existing zoning. Um, the language by right uses has come up tonight and many of the comments. All property in the city is zoned into a district. Each district has by right uses 
uh, that a developer, a landowner is allowed to develop with no special permitting required. That is the definition of a by right use, is allowed by right in a zoning district. That is why for a project such as this in business A, where retail and food service is a by right use, you do an administrative review of a site plan. And that is what is before you this evening. I also wanna be clear that the city council with their vote to deny the zone change did not preclude the ability of this property to be developed. They simply denied the ability of the property to be all zoned business A. It can still be developed with its existing zoning uses that are allowed by right. Um, so for the public's information, be clear that every parcel in the city is zoned for a use. Some of those uses are by right. The city council cannot, through a denial of a zone change, preclude by right development with existing zoning. Um, so to clear up some of the comments that were made by the city councilors tonight, they did not vote against this development. They voted against a zone change. And I will also caution the planning board that you are not to be unduly influenced by another body in the city. You have exclusive authority over site plan review because it is administrative. And I will be very clear, the city council has no authority over site plan review. Everyone has a right to their opinions about a development, but you are doing an administrative review of a by right use. The question before you is, does the site plan comply with the zoning uses allowed in the district? And does the plan meet the planning board's site plan regulations? And that is because of state zoning law that limits our ability to control by right uses in any district. Every property owner has a right to develop their property consistent with the zoning code of the municipality. So to clarify the process moving forward, this is in fact a preliminary site plan proposal. Um, if you accept those plans tonight, the applicant uh, with their design team will need to address all of the SPRAT comments that are before you and all of the comments they heard this evening in a future definitive plan set that would come back to this board, also to staff and be reviewed by all of the relevant departments. Um, you heard uh, from the city engineer uh, that he is requesting mass DOT review um, for their right of way. Uh, you have seen this on other projects that are fronting on Memorial Drive uh, because they have the ultimate authority for access uh, from state right of way. Um, I expect that will be a somewhat lengthy process, um, which will give the applicant time uh, to consider the other SPRAT comments that we have. Um, similar to the last project, there are two waiver requests uh, for this uh, project, both to waive the stormwater report and to waive the pre preliminary plans. Uh, we are not in favor of either one of those. This is essentially new development, um, and we've been consistent in past practice that we don't recommend that when we're doing a new development from, from scratch. Additionally, I also want to make clear um, that the three residential lots, um, because those are already zoned residential A, 
um, those will be approved through an approval not required subdivision plan. Um, all they have to do is show that they have um, frontage on a public right of way and that they meet the minimum criteria for a residential A lot, which is 100 feet of frontage and 10,000 square feet of area. Um, so your consideration of the preliminary plan tonight is exclusively for the proposed drive-through coffee shop on the business A portion of the property. Um, so uh, our recommendation would be to deny the two waiver requests. Um, they are not appropriate in this situation. Um, and then uh, you would have to take a third vote tonight on whether or not to accept the preliminary plans if you deny the waiver request uh, to go straight to definitive. that it? Yes. Okay, thank you. Any comments from anyone? No, I mean, it's, you know, Rob did a nice job explaining it. I, you know, I understand the neighbor's concerns. You know, it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but, right. you know, we have a specific job here. We don't, you know, we don't maintain crosswalks in the city, especially, you know, that's not what we do. And I hope people understand that. We're here to do a specific job. And unfortunately, we have to deal with a lot of the planning sins of the past. Correct. So. Okay. We'll take a motion whenever you're ready. I'll make a motion to deny the waiver of submitting a stormwater report. Second. Whenever you're ready. Well, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renwitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion passes 5-0 to zero to deny. I'll make a motion to deny the waiver of preliminary site plan submittal. Second. Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renwitz, Mike Sarnelli. Yes. Jay Paul. Yes. Motion passes 5-0. I'll make a motion to approve the preliminary site plan uh, with all SPRAC comments being met and taking some of the neighbor's context into consideration. Second. Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? No. Tom Renwitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Sorry, motion passes four to one. Item seven, election of new PV PC planning board representative. I thought we did that already. 
Uh, you did. Um, so the member that was elected um, when we last did elections uh, was Sam Shumsky. Oh, okay. um, and with his resignation from the board, the position is now vacant. Uh, so I will need someone uh, to assist me in representing the city to the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission. Um, in most communities uh, with planning staff, um, the commissioner comes from the planning board and then staff is allowed to be an alternate if you're unavailable to attend. Um, and I've been glad to do that when there's been a need. So I am listed as the alternate with PVPC. So I just need a primary. Um, and when you cannot attend a quarterly meeting, I can attend on your behalf. Is that still conducted by Zoom? I'm sorry? Are they still conducting that meeting by Zoom? It is still done by Zoom. Not, not me. I already did it. I guess that's did it for a lot of years. New guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, Make a motion to nominate Jay Paul for the position. Second. Jay, do you accept? Yes. <laughs> sure. I'm sure. He volunteered. I'm my lap tonight. I'm oh, sorry. Cynthia Labrie? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renwitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Congratulations. Well, thanks. A&Rs. We have no A&Rs tonight. Praise the Lord. Okay, moving on to the minutes. Motion to approve. Second. Whenever you're ready, you get cut up. Yeah, that's all right. You know it's getting late. No, I would never have thought that. Four thirty comes early. Delabree? Yes. Eric Willett? Yes. Tom Renwitz? Yes. Mike Sarnelli? Yes. Jay Paul? Yes. Motion passes 5 0. Hey, new business. Uh, we have one waiver of frontage on the agenda for December, and that's all we received. So you will have a, a short meeting next next month. Promises, promises, promises. Is it is it closed for submissions? For December? Was, was the deadline was December closed for submission? Last week. The deadline was last week. So oh. you, you have a waiver of frontage. And if we get any ANRs before. Yeah, the only other thing, ANRs we can accept up until the day of the meeting. Mm -hmm. So 10 minutes. Short meeting next month. Okay. No other new business? Nope. Make a motion to adjourn. Second. Nobody go anywhere. We have to sign paperwork. Uh, meeting adjourned 10 p.m. <laughs>